0: Please be forgiving of the sound quality in today's show. We have a guest on the show today and we've recorded from two separate locations. Also, please always keep in mind that although we tell stories from our own perspectives and that fit our own situation, narcissists, abusers, toxic partners, they're both male and female, married or single, straight or gay. They come from all walks of life, just like the rest of us. Hi, and welcome to the I Believe Your Abuse podcast. Thanks for joining. Here we discuss victims and survivors, healing, discovery, recovery, and all the dirty of toxic relationships. And today, we go all in. We're going in deep, y'all. I'm your host, Brandy Fuller-Anderson, but today I'm not alone. I have a guest on the podcast today, Natasha Tolbert, survivor of a toxic, abusive partner and other abusers, and author of her newly released poetic memoir, Beautifully Scarred. Thanks for being here. Do you want to tell everyone a little bit about you? Uh, my name is
1: Natasha Tolbert. I am 42 years old. Um, I'm originally from New York City. I moved to Arizona in 2001, um, escaping from a domestic violence situation. Maybe not really escaping, but pretty much that was the only way I was gonna be able to have somewhat of a normal life. Um, because we weren't together anymore, but I just couldn't walk the streets and bump into him without it being, like, an incident or whatever. So that is why I am now living with
0: them. I think it's so important that you're here today. I don't know if you've listened to the show, but we spend a lot of time on the show discussing the hidden and often invisible abuses that inflict every partner of a narcissist and advocating for more awareness about the abuse that people aren't able to see. But the truth is... While every person involved romantically with a narcissist is being emotionally and often financially and sexually abused, many of those victims are being physically abused as well. And we don't touch on that enough. And it's important that survivors of physical abuse know that they are not alone and that their stories are validated also. And sometimes we assume that Because there's evidence left behind when someone is physically abused, their stories are automatically believed. But toxic partners lie and blame shift regardless of the abuse that they've inflicted and the stories that victims tell do get twisted and lied about and often brushed under the rug and completely invalidated. We stand against all abuse, visible or not, and believable or not. I did a podcast, the first one that I did, which was based off of a first journal entry I had made when I had first broken free from my toxic husband, and I was trying to sort out what had happened, how I got there, and who I was. And I brought up how keeping so many secrets in my relationship, secrets from my family, closest friends, and the whole world, essentially, damaged who I was as a person. It helped him, my husband, my abuser, to emotionally imprison me as I was essentially living out the lie that he was telling people, confirming the false story he was living by and validating his theory that he was doing nothing wrong and I was lying about any mistreatment and even that I was the toxic one. Really, it aided in my confusion over who I was as a person and it damaged my ability to trust in others. The secrecy was easy for me, though. There was no bruises or scars to advertise my abuse. My suffering was invisible and easy to deny, even to myself. It was understandable that I often wondered if I was actually even being abused. I could lie to myself, but that also meant that nobody else was ever gonna step in and be concerned for me or help me or as it turns out even believe me can you tell me about what that was like for you being in a relationship where there was much more blatant observable abuse did you make the same effort to live in secret or were you so far removed from those who would stand up for you that it ceased to matter well it was a
1: combination of things for me um initially i uh, was definitely embarrassed um i had a best friend that was in an uh, abusive relationship and um she used to be very rude and battered and i couldn't understand why she would stay in something like that because to me she was a very strong woman you know so it didn't make any sense to me so i would be like i don't know why you're with him i'm saying those kind of things and then I want to say two years later, I was in that same kind of relationship. And so initially, I was definitely very embarrassed. Uh, when the abuse started, I think him and I had already been together two years. Um, obviously, you don't just pick a man that looks like he's going to beat on you or do anything, you know, disrespectful or, you know, right. crazy like that. So, initially, I was I was embarrassed. Um, so, I kind of started to just isolate myself, you know, because so, I didn't want anybody to know, you know? Yeah. People thought I was a strong person, too, and they, I was thinking, like, they probably wouldn't understand what the fuck I was doing still, you know, staying in a situation like that. Right. And then, after some years or a year, I can't even remember... Um, like a time frame of when I I shared it with uh, a friend of mine. And again, she was a friend like I was to my friends saying, what am I doing staying in a situation like that? And I want to say by then, I had already had a kid with him. Um, he was more manipulative because um, after he would beat me up or whatever, you know, he would cry and say sorry. He would never do it again those kind of
0: things
1: Mm -hmm. so and nobody initially people couldn't believe it because again like you said you know they're really charming very cool dude you know very likable you would you know you're not seeing that kind of characteristics in him when he's out you know in public or whatever so initially it was like no not him like really i can't see him doing stuff like that or whatever so you know, like I said, so it was a combination of things. Um, I wasn't really close with my my mom um, for different reasons, but um, I didn't share it with her for a long time. Um, so it was just more like uh, just being embarrassed and, and scared, truthfully. You know, after a while, it's like, okay, you know, this used to get so bad. Um, you think that if you try to do something to protect yourself or to leave, it's like if they're going to find you and kill you, you know the same thing, things yeah. like that because it got that intense for me. I mean, I've pulled I, I called the police many times, we lived together and I was uh, in New York, um, if you live in the house with somebody, whether they pay rent or not, if they're on your leave, if they have lived with you longer than 30 days, they don't have to make them move out or leave or anything like that. So regardless of how many times I called the police, they never made him like leave. I had a cracked nose. I went to the police station. When he finally got arrested, I want to say I, I can't even tell you what year it was on because I wanted I stayed for so many years before I decided to like leave him. I left my apartment and moved it with my sister, and he still came there. It was just a lot of different things that just felt like I was never going to get away from this dude. Like, whether we wasn't together, broke up, I had a restraining order in my pocket and he still was me out in the middle, like, in, in public in broad daylight and it was just ridiculousness. So, I don't know. I and mean, they, they do make you feel like you have nowhere else to go. No one's gonna help you. Like, nothing and when you had children with them he would tell me things like no one's gonna want you after you have these kids and things like that so it was a lot of different reasons that I just felt like I would never get out of it uh,
0: when you finally decided to leave uh, was it a specific event or something that you planned over some period of time how much time passed in between when you realized that your situation was toxic to the point where you knew you had to get out between when you finally left?
1: Um, I, I want to say, first of all, I left him a few times. I left many apartments um, and left, like, my whole life inside them and moved in with other people. And somehow, he manipulated me into getting back with him or Whatever. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie and say I didn't love him. You know, we were together for a long time before. Like I said before, he even thought it to be this abusive person. However, there were other signs I should have paid attention to them Then, you know, just him, like, not really wanting me to go anywhere or he would hide my makeup. Um, He would hide one side of my, all my shoes. Like would leave me with, like, two left shoes of two different kind of shoes. Like, silly shit like that do himself in front of a car when I told him I was going to leave him. So it was just a, a plethora of things that just kept building up, building up no matter what I did. And I literally had to leave my hometown, New York City just to really have some type of normalcy. I was going to school he would bring the kids to the school and say he was going to meet them in front of the school if I didn't come out. Things like that.
0: Okay.
1: I don't, I don't know. It was just chaotic
0: so I have an excerpt here from your book from your story and this is actually a middle section of a poem in the book so anyone listening who wants to hear the beginning and the end is going to have to pick up a copy of the book and read it um, which I highly recommend I'll read it as I interpret it to myself and it goes like this Using your charm and sexuality, pretending to be a good guy, when all you tell is half-truths and misuse and lead them astray. You fucking bastard. You make me sick. And I make myself sicker for not knowing better than you. Wanting better than you. Deserving better than you. You, who just manipulates me with just the simplest shit from your lying lips that I love to kiss. I think we can all relate to this. This way that they have of treating us badly while simultaneously creating this desire in us, creating this trauma bond that has us yearning for the affection despite being in the know about their abusive and dishonest behaviors. What do you remember about the dynamics of your relationship? <laughs> which one? Because that book is about but it's like a bunch of different relationships. <laughs> <laughs> well, I t- I'll tell you what really, what really kind of touched me about that that excerpt was, um, was the very last part, which says, "You who just manipulates me with the simplest shit from your lying lips, that I love to kiss," and, and I I can feel this when I read it because. I have felt this exact same thing and I know many people listening who have felt this exact same thing where Where we're so disgusted with who they've become as humans and we're so disgusted with how terrible they are as partners and yet part of us wants them. We want to be with them. We want to be loved by them. We want the fantasy future that we imagined we would have with them. That doesn't seem to go away in the beginning when we realize that they're really pieces of shit
1: thing though. The, the problem is that once once you are in a situation like that, whether it's one relationship or two relationships, in the beginning, of course, like I said, there are these charming, handsome, nice guys, right? Right. And when you find out that they are pieces of shit, you know, you still try to hold on to that, the, that good person that you met, like this there has to still be that person there, right? And then it becomes a pattern because then you feel like, okay, is this something that I did wrong that made him be that way? So it becomes a pattern if you don't realize that you have to not take on other people's um, toxic traits or whatever, that you still start to date the same type of man. Maybe not, so much in a, the physical abusive aspect, but abusive period, whether it's um, them trying to lure you with sex or, you know, just to make you feel good for a minute, just to make you feel bad later or whatever it is, you get to a point where you start to think that there's something wrong with you. And like, if it wasn't anything that they've done, you've done something to cause these men to treat you this way. You know what I'm saying? it was a pattern like I I left one you know I, I, I stayed single for a while met someone else and it seemed like these men were still kind of the same maybe not physically abusive but they were still abusive in some way they made me feel like the best sexiest woman in the world one minute and then the next minute like I was a fucking piece of garbage the next minute you know what I'm saying and then come back and act like um nothing was wrong then I would fall back into it because now, of course, I'm lonely and I'm like, I'm still trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. What am I doing? What did I do? Right. You know what I'm saying? I do. So it takes, it takes a lot for people, you know, women mostly to get over these situations with these men that do these things and... A reflection you know what I'm saying like everybody comes into your life like they said you know some people are just lessons and sometimes you have to go through a lot of them to get it and unfortunately I went through a lot of them before I was like okay I don't I don't need this shit you know what I mean I have to yeah. go to therapy and figure out like okay am, am I doing something wrong like after a while you realize like okay I know that I'm not doing anything to cause anybody to cause any type of harm in that way to me at all. But it, it, it takes a long time. It, yeah. it, it fucks with your self-esteem and beats you down to the fucking ground that you don't know which way is up anymore.
0: I totally agree. And and that kind of ties into to some of the red flags in the relationship. And um, on this show, we, we discuss a lot of the ways in which... We as survivors may have seen some early signs of a toxic relationship, but some of us might have brushed them off as something else or made excuses to justify them or even felt that they could change things about their partner if they stuck it out long enough. And many survivors really struggle with the idea that they will end up in a toxic relationship, you know, time and time again and have that fear of moving into another, even, you know, once they leave one and never allow themselves to be vulnerable again. And I think it's so... So important that we become familiar with those early warning signs that we can learn to avoid and maybe will help us feel confident that we won't miss them again in the future, you know. It allows us to feel safe enough to move forward. When the dust started to settle and you worked through some of the healing from that ordeal and you made plans to move forward and develop stronger boundaries or choose healthier relationships, which sounds like you had a pretty good head on your shoulders and you knew that you needed to make some changes, you know, to move forward and and kinda of be healthy with yourself and with your relationships. Did you ever think back to the beginning and come up with any really concrete red flags that maybe you could have paid attention to but didn't?
1: Um, well yeah, now when I think back, obviously there were plenty. You know? And I'm not saying that I completely healed and all I know is that when I see them now, I, I like I recognize them quicker now than I did then you know what I mean so I think it's just like you know drug addicts when they get clean and they relapse it's more like it it only takes one thing to trigger them to go back to their comfort you know what I'm saying whether it's the old neighborhood they used to get high in they may not use right away but you know they go back to that comfort and when people are doing things that don't feel comfortable to them, or doesn't feel right, or it scares them. They tend to go back to what they've known, and I I, I know that for me, right. I, I went back because I, I've known I've known this type of man for so long, and regardless of how disgusting certain situations were, it still felt like. I belong there for whatever fucking reason. You know what I'm saying? So it it did take a lot of um, self-reflecting and um, going to therapy and just really getting an understanding of who I am as a person and that no matter what these people have done to me, it was by no fault of my own. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm of with that or whatever, but none of that abuse was because of anything that I did wrong other than staying.
0: You right. Know? Right. And you know what? And, and it's so true because everything, that you experience for long periods of time can get comfortable. And and people don't always realize that even toxicity, even abuse can feel normal, can feel comfortable if that's what you've had. And especially people who are raised, you know, with abusive childhoods or narcissistic parents or, and they go down and they move into these relationships. And the reason is, is not to a fault of their own. It's because that's what feels comfortable. That's what feels right. And, and you don't expect that something, negative something toxic is is going to feel right and so it's a really hard habit to break I've said so many times that writing my story down was life-saving for me and I really believe that it was it helped me to find confidence in my truth because he was trying to gaslight me into oblivion It helped me to discover cycles and see that behaviors of his that didn't feel justified weren't justified. It validated me, to myself, which turned out to be enough. And it just felt cathartic. What prompted you to put your story into words and how has that been for you? Did it help you to heal?
1: Um, It did help me to heal. Um, like I said I had, I had many different experiences like I said that book is written about um many relationships that I was I was in not just one particular one um the last situation though was it for me um in 2011 um my old youngest two um, children their dad held us hostage and raped my daughter and they were I can't say that there were any flags that I assumed that I stole that he would ever do anything like that, because honestly, even when I think back, there wasn't any. So, and, um, it was, I can't even put into words, like, what my mind frame was when it happened I know that we were going through some issues you know he had his uh, job um he wasn't really providing anything at home you know I just had a baby and I was I was going to look I mean so there were things like that like we go back and forth about but he never raised his voice he never cursed at me he would just say okay I'm gonna do better kind of things like that and so I finally got fed up and I put him out you know what I'm saying yeah. and I don't know what made him or why he decided that he was going to break in my house and hold his houses and then rape my daughter. You know what I mean? It was yeah. just like what in the entire fuck is going on right now? Like I felt like I was in a Twilight
0: Girl. Right, and that's so much scarier without you know, without any clear warning signs to, to know to stay away from. That seems just terrifying. Right. Well,
1: let me back up really quick, because what initially happened before I put him out, my daughter said that she felt him touch her while she was sleeping, and then she tried to change this, that maybe she was dreaming, but I didn't care. I was like, okay, we're already not really getting along. You know, I put him out, and I tried to get a restraining order, but I didn't know where he went, you know, yeah, to have him served. So he never got served. And I just went ahead and had the lot changed change and things like that and he kept calling me and trying to convince me that he would never do anything like that to her and I told him I didn't care if she dreamt it like there was no fucking way he was going to be living in my house period
0: Yeah.
1: and I want to say two months later is when he, he broke in, out in my house and held a hostage and raped her and I guess he said he told her that since she said that he did something for her, he really was going to do something to her Wow. so that is when i after all of that is when i went to therapy and um initially i couldn't even tell the story in therapy um so we kind of just started from the beginning of my initial abusive relationship kind of thing and i could only write it i couldn't speak it i couldn't tell a story and i could only write it so everything just came out the way it did and I, needed to put it out of the book.
0: Well, I'm glad you did. It's, it's actually a really great read. Thank you. I think that there's this moment in the healing process when victims become survivors. It's, it's life-changing and mentally stabilizing this moment. And we don't even realize the second that it happens, but I believe that it occurs as a result of our strength to tell our stories and to learn from them even if nobody believes them and when we stop hiding from the stories that we have to tell and switch from using them as a way to assure ourselves that things are okay and start using them as a way to assure others that things will be okay i think that's so empowering i love this quote because nothing is permanent nothing is permanent and everybody should not be afraid to um talk about what's going on if they're feeling
1: hurt if they're feeling scared i don't think that anybody should keep
0: that a secret that's i agree tell your story i love that this quote that you put toward the end of your book and it says things like this don't go away from therapy or from a pill it's part of the skin that covers every inch of you it breaks through to your soul and becomes you every day and this is amazing natasha really how true is this did the skin, really does the skin grow thicker <laughs> than you ever could have imagined? I'll bet it did.
1: Um, I don't know. I just know that at the end of the day, um, I'm a mother. Um, I don't have time, nor will I give anybody that power to put me in a, a space of... Not living in the living, or feeling like you're dead while the world is still going around, you know, going on around you. You yeah. know, I have I have children to take care of. Um, I have goals that I want to accomplish. So, regardless of what I've been through, um, what I continue to feel, because you know, every now and again, you know, shit creeps in on me right. or whatever. I can't and I won't, you know, let it keep me in that space at all ever
0: good good for you when it feels that we've given so much to our toxic relationships sometimes to the extent that we have lost ourselves it's so important to remember what we gained from that relationship the beautiful children right the newfound strength the insight into ourselves and the wisdom carried with us that will influence the people we interact with and the decisions that we make moving forward Thank you so much for putting your strength into words so that you can heal and putting those words out there so that they can help others heal as well now. You know, you're a true survivor. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Guys, I think we have all felt embarrassed about what was happening in our relationship. Likely long before we recognized what was happening was abuse. Things like this are always things that happen to other people, not us, right? Until they do. When you are in a relationship with a toxic partner, things are only going to get worse. And you may not always have that clear warning that you're waiting for. Learn the red flags for toxic relationships and build the strength you need to listen to them when they appear. In the US, as many as 1 in 3 women and 1 in 10 men experience domestic violence. According to the National Center for Disease Control, domestic violence is responsible for as many as 1,500 deaths a year in the United States alone, with countless other serious injuries or chronic conditions suffered as a result of domestic partner violence. It's too many. Tell someone, tell anyone seek help to get out seek help to get past it and if you take the time to fully heal yourself following a toxic relationship you lessen the chances of finding yourself in another one in the future those who quickly move into another relationship without taking that time to learn reflect heal and grow are highly likely to find themselves in similar situations again in the future You need to recover, break free, tell your story, and the rest will fall into place. Don't give up. If you're in the U.S. and need immediate assistance with a domestic violence situation, you can reach out to the Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. In Australia, you can dial 1-800-RESPECT. In Canada, 800-363-9010. And if you're somewhere else, please familiarize yourself with the hotline in your area, and don't be afraid to reach out for available resources and information. You guys can find your own copy of Beautifully Scarred. It's out now and available through major book retailers, so pick up a copy. I'll also attach a link to purchase on our website with this podcast episode. As always, you can find more support on Facebook or Instagram at I Believe Your Abuse. You can find support including resources for meetings, support groups and professionals who specialize in narcissistic abuse if you visit iBelieveYourAbuse.com You can also send in comments, requests for a specific topic to be addressed on the show, or share your survivor stories by sending an email to I believe your Abuse at gmail.com Be sure that you're following the show, that way you'll have episodes automatically added for you when they come out, and you'll never miss a bonus episode. And if you have friends or family who are struggling with narcissistic abuse or who just want to be supportive and are willing to learn about and hear about and understand your experience, please share the show with them because spreading awareness and understanding are so important. Until next time, own your truth. Never stop telling your story.